Amen. Right, the title of my sermon today is Guy Fawkes and the Attacks on God's Word. So Guy Fawkes and the Attacks on God's Word. I would also like to just pray briefly before we continue. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we have your word. Thank you for preserving your word, Lord. Um, please help me to, to preach your word now just clearly and accurately and boldly. Help me to edify the room here, Lord. Help everyone to have attentive ears and help all these things to be done in Jesus Christ's holy name. Amen. Right, so it's that time of the year, isn't it? The, the big celebrations, last year's wellies, hats, scarves and everything start getting fished out. People are trying to find batteries for their flashlights and find a way either down to the local celebrations or, or start buying fireworks for their back garden. But, but why? Why? Why are people doing that? What's it actually all about? I mean, millions of pounds have been spent around this nation this weekend, haven't they? Probably multi-millions of pounds have been spent around this nation letting off fireworks and trying to gather anything they can together to burn and, and all the safety stuff that goes with it now with these village fireworks parties. Think about how many rural villages around this nation are just letting off fireworks, burning things, all these people turning up to it. What, what are they celebrating? Well, usually, I mean, the response would be something along the lines of, well, it's fireworks night, isn't it? Fireworks night, you know? It's, it's, it's you know, well, Guy Fawkes. It's Guy Fawkes, yeah? Bonfire night. But what does that actually mean? What's it all about? What, what, what exactly is everyone burning, in fact? Because if they keep up tradition, and many still do, I know in my village they, they carried some sort of effigy of Guy Fawkes through the village, I think from the local school, eventually to some field somewhere, and, and they burnt him on a bonfire. And that's what most were doing, and up until recently, I think most probably did, and now maybe a few less, were actually burning an effigy of a guy called Guy Fawkes. And before that, and I don't think they do that too often now, they used to sometimes burn an effigy of anyone know who? No? No? The Pope. They used to burn an effigy of the Pope. And um, again, that's kind of reduced a little bit now. I think the guy, guy Fawkes is a little bit more politically correct. But what's that all about then? Who was Guy Fawkes? Well, what they are doing is they're celebrating the arrest, the torture and the eventual hanging and drawing and quartering, although that was after his death, um, of this guy, Guy Fawkes, who was who was the most famous of the conspirators involved in the gunpowder plot. So Guy Fawkes is the most famous one. Most people probably don't know the names of most of the others. Well, Guy Fawkes was the most famous of, of, of those. And this gunpowder plot of 1605 was also known as, a, anyone know this? It was known as before as a Jesuit treason. The Jesuit treason, and yet the Jesuits are actually real people and not just something that you see these nutters online accusing everyone of being. It's not just an insult. There is such thing as Jesuits. And, and what it was, it was a failed assassination attempt by English Catholics against King James I. And if anyone's wondering, well, who's King James I? Well, he was King James VI of Scotland, and it's King James which basically was the reason that we have our King James Bible. He was the person that commissioned the great translation work of this King James Bible. The plan was to blow up the House of Lords during the state opening of Parliament on the 5th of November, 1605. So that's what the plan was. Guy Fawkes was discovered with 36 barrels of gunpowder. 
36 barrels of gunpowder underneath the House of Lords. But like I said, contrary to popular belief, he wasn't actually the leader. He was just a guy found with the gunpowder, the match, and in his riding gear ready to light it and do, a, do as fast an escape as possible. The guy who led it was a guy called Robert, Ka either Catsby or Catesby, however you want to pronounce it, who, who did flee after kind of the failed attempt and was eventually shot in a shootout kind of up north in, I think it was Staffordshire, you know, where he tried to make a stand, having tried to gather a load of Catholics together to, to try and fight against the powers that be. Now, there, there are some differing opinions as to what actually happened as, and as to what the motivation was. I remember growing up under the impression, I don't know if anyone else who grew up in this nation who heard much about this did, I grew up under the impression, this is how I was taught it, that basically it was this, this guy, Guy Fawkes, he was a guy, yeah, trying to, uh, basically it was to blow up these poor politicians. And, and it was always just talked about, you know, it's like Parliament, trying to blow up these poor, you know, guys who just wanted to fight for the truth and help lead the nation, and it was a terrorist attack on the politicians. Now, some nowadays, and I actually listened to something just briefly on the way here, just to, just to listen to some different sort of so-called views of this, there's a lot of now sort of what you would call... Um, uh, I'm trying to think of the word for it, but, but basically um, they're trying to appease the Catholics a lot now. And there's a lot of pro-Catholic type sentiment on this now. So a lot of the, the reports, oh, well, it was a poor persecution of the Catholics. And that's why they had to, they were just being persecuted. They were being beaten down. They were being arrested. They were, well, it's, it's interesting actually, because King James actually reduced the fines that were being uh, that, that were being charged to Catholics for still attending Catholic church services. This is in the middle of the battles between the Catholics and the Protestants at the time. So some claim that, and some, some doubt the accuracy of the confessions um, after the arrest of Guy Fawkes and, and the co-conspirators that survived due to the torture that was received. But again, Guy Fawkes, it was started with a very minimal amount of torture and it was meant to be increased depending on what was admitted at the time. Now, what do we know then? Because as we all probably are aware, history is written by usually the victors. It's slanted. It's very hard to get what we can know 100% sure is accurate historical accounts of most things in history. There's one thing that we know is, a, is an accurate historical account, and that's the King James Bible. But other than God's preserved word, what do we know? Well, we know, we know that they were all Catholics. I don't think that goes, uh, that, that's up for debate. We know that the principal Jesuit of England, a guy called Father Henry Garnet, was executed for, for involvement. And just to make this clear, because again, there's kind of this, there can, it, it's very unnoticed listening to different ideas, reports, videos on this sort of event and throughout history and from when I was growing up, that, that lots of people put sometimes a subtle, sometimes not so subtle slant on it all. And just to make it clear, this was high level stuff. This wasn't sort of, you know, just a few guys got together and managed to purchase some gunpowder. I mean, they, they managed to, to basically originally buy a home right next to Westminster Palace, where they were plotting from. They managed to, to they, I mean, these guys were involved with, with high level people. There was, there, there was some very wealthy people involved in this. This was, this was a, a real proper attempt, uh, ex, uh, uh, basically assassinating King James I and his family, or at least his sons, probably would have been in the House of Lords at that time, and most of the high-up people across this nation at that time. This is a big deal, and they were that close to succeeding as well. So, 
What we do know, though, like I said, is that they attempt to blow up the House of Lords when he's going to be there. We also know that this was less than 50 years on from the end of the Catholic Queen Mary the First reign, and, and many people know her as Bloody Mary, and that's not to try and be rude about her necessarily. This is because Bloody Mary was responsible for literally hundreds of deaths in her short reign, but she was also responsible for hundreds of Bibles burned as well. Hundreds and hundreds of Bibles were burned during Mary the, Mary the First reign. We also know that in the January of the year before, 1604, King James had just commissioned the translation of the authorised version of the Bible. And in case you think, oh, well, it's just coincidence, Brother Ian, do you know how much this Bible has affected the English speaking? In fact, affected the whole world. Okay, that was a monumental time in history when that King James Bible started, the translation work started. It had never been before and will never be after. Anything, anything to rival, to even get close to the translation work that was done on this. That, that 50 plus of the finest, basically, language scholars ever to walk this planet were, were, were all involved in, in a work which was done so, they were so painstaking to make it as accurate as possible. And it just so happened that a year later, they attempted to kill the man that commissioned this and the rest of his government and everything else. Now, had they been successful in their plan to murder King James and install a Catholic monarch on the throne, the translation work would have ended, okay? Make no mistake about that, okay? He had commissioned it, he, was, he, had, he had started this work in terms of he had got these men together, and this wasn't the sort of thing that the Catholics were too renowned for doing, okay? So this would have ended, that would have been the end of the... We would not have had this King James Bible. And you may be sitting there thinking, well, wait a second, brother, and this is a bit of a stretch right now, because I've never heard them mention the King James Bible in any of the reports about this. Anyone ever heard this mention much, the King James Bible? Not much. You don't really hear it. You hear about the noble stand. I mean, nowadays, it's more like these were just anarchist types, maybe not even anarchist types, it's freedom fighters, yeah? freedom fighters just resisting government and maybe maybe there's a few here that have that sort of sentiment a little bit as well and almost kind of have a little bit of sympathy for a man like Guy Fawkes and his courageous gang that wanted to just you know stop the persecution of the poor Catholics or maybe maybe it was maybe or maybe you don't go that way and you think well it was just murdering some honest brave politicians or something else like that. Well, what I am saying is that, like on numerous occasions throughout history, this was about stopping the Word of God getting out to the people, okay? That's what it was about. That's what it's always about, really, stopping the Word of God getting to the common people. And this has been going on in various ways throughout history because there's nothing new under the sun, okay? There's nothing new under the sun. Now, go back to Jeremiah 36 where we see one such way of attacking the Word of God. And this is through the literal destruction of the Word, the literal destruction of it. So long before Guy Fawkes was trying to blow up the man who had commissioned the greatest translation work ever undertaken, wicked people were trying to get rid of the Word of God. In Jeremiah 36, Jeremiah has been commanded to write down the words of God, his judgment on Israel, Judah and the nations. And, and just in case you're wondering, this wasn't just to be mean to people. It wasn't to be judgmental about their sin. Look at verse 2 where you are, and it says, 
take thee a roll of a book and write therein all the words that I have spoken unto thee against Israel and against Judah and against all the nations from the day I spake unto thee from the days of Josiah even unto this day. It may be that the house of Judah will hear all the evil which I purpose to do unto them that they may return every man from his evil way that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. So obviously this isn't talking about salvation. It's talking about the physical destruction coming to the nations. The purpose was to avoid this, to improve the people, to get right with God. So Jeremiah, who's in prison, basically, he's in the courts of the prison, he sends Barak to preach the word of God to the people. Eventually, this gets back to what was an Ill illegitimate king, Jehoiakim, who was made king by Pharaoh Necho of Egypt. Okay, So this was really an illegitimate king. It says in verse 20, And they went into the king, into the court, but they laid up the roll in the chamber of Elisha, the scribe, and told all the words in the ears of the king. So the king sent Jehudai to fetch the roll, and he took it out of Elisha, the scribe's chamber. And Jehudai read it in the ears of the king and in the ears of all the princes which stood beside the king. Now the king sat in the winter house in the ninth month and there was a fire on the hearth burning before him. And it came to pass that when Jehudai had read three or four leaves, he cut it with a penknife and cast it into the fire that was on the hearth until all the roll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. Can you imagine this? Imagine this, whether it's the king or Jehudai on behalf of the king, I don't know, you know, which one was really the, the driving force behind that or who was the one doing it. This, this was the only copy, the only, there wasn't kind of tons of different Bibles. He just, oh, I'm sick of this Bible. This was the only version of these particular words of God given to Jeremiah, weren't they? Written down, he's written them down and he's literally just cutting out pages and throwing them into the fire. And that sort of thing has continued throughout history. This sort of behaviour has continued throughout history, the attack on God's word. The title is Guy Fawkes, he attacks God's word. And number one, they attack by attempting to destroy the physical words of God. Okay, this has continued, this, this has gone on and will continue to go on throughout history. Here Jehoiakim and Jehudai, they were cutting out the pages and burning them in a fire, right? But this tactic became quite popular throughout history and continued right up until the attempted assassination of Guy Fawkes. Now, one of the most famous attempts of this was between 301 and 304 AD when the, the Roman emperor called Diocletian, anyone heard of this guy? Maybe one or two have. Okay, he, he basically burned thousands of copies of the Bible. And this is in a time when there's no printing press, bear Mike. Can you imagine how painstaking it would have been to have copied the words of God, yeah? And he burned thousands of them. He actually believed that he had burned all of them. He, he, I think he actually put, put this sort of monument above what he thought was the last burned Bible. And he basically was, was stated saying something along the lines of, this is now the end of Christendom. And he thought that he had wiped out the religion of Christianity, and how did he think he'd done that? By burning all Bibles in existence. He didn't actually succeed, <laughs> as I'm sure if anyone's wondering. And um, in fact, apparently, I think when, uh, when Constantine, you know, eventually became emperor, he actually gave a reward for people bringing forward Bibles, and suddenly all these Bibles started appearing, even though Diocletian thought he destroyed them all. Pope Paul II, later on in history, the pontificate from 1464 to 1471, 
he confirmed the decree of James I of Aragon on the prohibition of Bibles in vernacular languages, basically anything other than Latin, yeah? Under Isabella I of Castile and her husband Ferdinand II of Aragon, apparently the printing of vernacular Bibles was prohibited in Spanish state law. Now, the Spanish Inquisition, which are famous for a lot of things, one of those, they instituted and ordered the destruction of all Hebrew books and all vernacular Bibles in 1497. So, again, this isn't something that kind of just happened back with Jehoiakim. This isn't something that, well, okay, well, Guy Fawkes, maybe, maybe it was to do with the Bible there. Maybe he's trying to stop that. Now, th th these are just famous events of this. And in England, all copies of William Tyndale's translation, again, like I said, that was hard to copy those things, were ordered to be burnt, and Queen Mary I also apparently attempted to burn all non-Catholic Bibles as well during her reign. Now, this has continued on a smaller scale in many nations. Communist China apparently reportedly still burns Bibles to this day. North Korea apparently bans Bibles too, with up to 15 years in prison for owning a Bible, for reading a Bible. So this isn't something that was just in times, you know, in times past. But instead of having to track down the eventual physical Bibles in the event we're talking about, the assassination of King James, if you think about it, would have destroyed the greatest translation work ever undertaken before it was even complete. They wouldn't have even had to track down the Bibles and, and it went to the printing press and the new printing press after that. They, they wouldn't have even had to do that. They, this was to stop it before it, even, before it was even complete. And the ensuing Catholic monarchy, because the plan was to then basically set up, I think it was his daughter Elizabeth, who was young as then queen, who would hopefully be easily enough brainwashed to, to be, you know, um, at, at, at least amicable if not more basically become a Roman Catholic ultimately that was the plan and that that ensuing Catholic monarchy would have obviously destroyed all other good translations around because look, there were some good translations it wasn't like there was no people going oh so where's the English Bible before 1611 no, there were some good translations in fact I think they say that that uh, the, the King James Bible lines up with something like 84% of William Tyndale's translation. Oh, did, and then you get that, oh, they just copied Tyndale. No, they didn't. William Tyndale's translation was such a good translation that these men, when they translated the, the, the Bible, had it so similar because, yeah, the Word of God was in English to some degree. It just wasn't the perfect Word of God like we eventually got with the King James Bible. But they would have been destroyed as well. But thankfully, they got thwarted. But... Is another attempt coming soon, do you wonder, with this? Maybe in the English-speaking world. Turn to Amos chapter 8. Because some claim that it is becoming hate speech in this nation to quote the King James Bible. Anyone heard that yet? Yeah? A few people have heard that. Now, this is kind of on the back of certain street-preaching clowns standing up and kind of just trying to antagonise and wind people up, you know, and preaching probably falsehoods like, you've got to repent of your sodomy or something else. And, and, and causing, you know, all this sort of nonsense and trouble. But, but there were some guys not that long ago that were arrested and it did go to court and it was upheld that they were apparently guilty of hate speech 
for preaching the King James Bible. But when I was looking at some of the reports, it was a little bit sketchy what exactly they were accused of and whether or not it was the Bible. But we do see this sort of anti-Christian sentiment growing, don't we? And we do have people more and more, you're starting to hear that whispering that the King James Bible, that, that the word of God in English is actually hate speech. Amos 8 and verse 11 says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. And they shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. Is that coming, do you think? It might be coming. Will we have another case of banning, destroying, or even burning the Bible in this nation? Look. And people will burn it on a small scale, but maybe we'll see some, something more major going on at some point in the future. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Go back to Jeremiah 36. Jeremiah and chapter 36 and verse 23. Jeremiah 36, 23 says, And it came to pass that when Jehudi had read three or four leaves, he cut it with a penknife and cast it into the fire that was on the hearth, till all the roll was consumed and the fire that was on the hearth. Yet they were not afraid, nor rent their garments, neither the king nor any of his servants that heard all these words. Nevertheless, Elnathan and Deliah and Gemariah had made intercession to the king that he would not burn the roll, but he would not hear them. But the king commanded Jeremiah, the son of Hamalek, and Sarai, the son of Azrael, and Shelemiah, the son of Abdil, to take Baruch, the scribe, and Jeremiah, the prophet, but the Lord hid them. So he's burnt the words of God. Now he wants the scribe and prophet responsible. Do you think he wants to commend them on a fine bit of literature? No, he's more likely going to kill them, isn't he? The title is Guy Fawkes, the Attack on God's Word. Number one is by attempting to destroy the physical words of God. Number two is by attempting to kill the messengers of the words of God. King Jehoiakim had such disdain for God's word that there was no, no concern about the coming judgment that was being prophesied through the word of God. Verse 24 says, Yet they were not afraid, nor rent their garments, neither the king nor any of his servants that heard all these words. He dismissed the intercession of the other men in verse, I think it is, uh, 25. He dismissed that. They said, it said, Nevertheless, our Nathan and Delilah and Gemariah made intercession to the king that he would not burn a roll, but he would not hear them. And, well, basically, I believe he just wanted to kill the messengers instead. Why did the Lord hide them? The Lord hid them for their own safety. It says, but the Lord hid them at the end of verse 26. And that's another tactic that has continued throughout history. From the prophets in the Old Testament to Jesus Christ himself to the persecution throughout the book of Acts, it's, well, it's been the attack, the attempted murder, killing the messengers of the words of God, right? It continued with various martyrdom, by the way, throughout the ages. And with an approximate, apparently, 5,000 Anabaptists killed during the Reformation period alone. 5,000. And, and these were people that were actually, it seems, you know, had things right, were preaching the correct word of God and, and, and the gospel. And when it came to Guy Fawkes, he was attempting to kill a man. He was attempting to kill a king that was instrumental in a mighty work for God. Okay, King James was instrumental in that. And of course, that's why he's been much maligned throughout history and attacked by all sorts. But turn to Deuteronomy 27, because as far as I'm concerned, I believe King James was saved. Okay, I believe King James was saved. He stated in his writings to his son that he believed in grace through faith alone. And of course, some people talk through both sides of their mouth. But he did write in Basilicum Doran, but because no man was able to keep the law nor any part thereof, 
It pleased God of his infinite wisdom and goodness to incarnate his only son in our nature for satisfaction of his justice in his suffering for us, that since we could not be saved by doing, we might at least be saved by believing. Yeah, King James, it seems, believed in grace through faith alone, yeah? And Deuteronomy 27, 25, in case anyone here is still harbouring some sort of sympathy for the so-called freedom fighter, their anti-government leanings are clouding their judgment. I'm sure there's a few out here. Well, Deuteronomy 27, 25 says, Cursed be he that taketh reward to slay an innocent person, and all the people shall say, Amen. And look, however many movies claim otherwise, yeah, mercenary killers are pure scum. Okay, they are pure scum. Now, yes, he had some sort of, some sort of drive maybe from his Catholic leanings, but taking money to kill someone, I mean, that, that's beyond covetous, isn't it? I mean, that's something else, isn't it? I mean, look, it's one thing to kill someone because you really feel like you've got a cause and a reason and an anger and a hatred, and I'm not saying that's okay, but to just slay an innocent person, taking reward to do that, that's wicked, isn't it? That's really wicked. And that's what Guy Fawkes did, didn't he? Or at least him and his gang. Guy Fawkes, it seemed, was enlisted it seems that he was being paid for this as well. He was a mercenary. He was a guy that was, that was out fighting wars. He was apparently a good, good army, you know, a good member of the army. He was out there fighting, I think, the Spanish and Dutch, you know, reformers war. And this guy was, was, was enlisted and he was scum. And as with the continued destroying of the words of God, the, the messengers continue to be hunted down to, okay? So nowadays in the West, we probably see less of the we see less of the, the attempted assassination, physical assassinations, but instead we do see a lot of character assassination, don't we, instead? And you could say that that's probably, well, one, it's an easier way, and two, it probably stops uh, the, the sympathy and the martyrdom type stuff when people do get killed. It's easier just to destroy their character, isn't it? Like what, like what continues to go on to this day with King James. If you think about it in the media, think about how many men of God and, and people you've known, and even in smaller versions of media, when I say people you know, maybe some of you might know personally, and other people that you've heard of in history, people that still get slandered to this day, pastors out there that people have listened to and heard who just get slandered left, right and centre, whether it's sometimes even mainstream media, sometimes it's not mainstream media, sometimes it's, it's stalkers and other people just slander, slander, slander. And what happens with that character assassination? People don't, don't credit anything they say anymore, even though really they're just preaching the word of God. Turn to Matthew chapter 24. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. This shouldn't be a shock to anyone. Okay, you're doing a great thing for God. You're going to suffer persecution. King James was doing a great thing. Okay, King James, yeah, he might not have been an independent fundamental Baptist, but I believe he was saved and he was being used mightily to, to commission the greatest translation ever, something that, that is unrivaled and that's why he was attemptedly assassinated. Matthew 24, Jesus is telling them things to watch out for and lead up to the rapture and he says this in verse 7, For nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. 
and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Look, this is, this is nothing new, but obviously we're going to see this ramped up as, as, as we go into the end times at some point in, in, in the future. It could be in the near future. And it shouldn't be something that should shock us. This will happen. This does happen. Maybe we'll go from the character assassination. In fact, we will go from that back to real, you know, whether it's, it's claiming to be for the protection of the state or not. People are going to start getting killed again. It shouldn't be a shock to us, but this is what, what's happened throughout history. It's an attack really on the words of God, isn't it? Why will we be getting hunted down and killed in the future, whether it's us sitting here, the kids sitting here, or maybe the kids' kids or whatever it is? It's all about the word of God, isn't it? It's all about going out and preaching the gospel and getting people saved. Go back to Jeremiah 36 and verse 20 says, And they went... Jeremiah 36 and 20 says, And they went into the king, into the court, but they laid up the roll in the chamber of Elisha the scribe and told the words in the ears of the king. So the king sent Jehudi to fetch the roll, and he took it out of Elisha the scribe's chamber, and Jehudi read it in the ears of the king and in the ears of all the princes which stood beside the king. Now the king sat in the winter house in the ninth month, and there was a fire on the hearth burning before him. And it came to pass that when Jehudi had read three or four leaves, he cut it with the penknife and cast it into the fire that was on the hearth, till all the roll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. Yet they were not afraid, nor rent their garments, neither the king nor any of his servants that heard all these words. Nevertheless, El Nathan and Deliah and Gemariah had made intercession to the king that he would not burn the roll, but he would not hear them. But the king commanded Jeremiah, the son of Hamalech, and Sariah, the son of Azrael, and Shelemiah, the son of Abdil, to take Barak, the scribe, and Jeremiah, the prophet. But the Lord hid them. So this king has heard the words of God. He's removed them. He's destroyed them. He's tried to get hold of the prophet and his scribe. This was a wicked guy. This was a really wicked guy. Make no mistake about that. Notice how neither he nor his entourage feared God. Look at verse 24. Yet they were not afraid, nor rent their garments, neither the king nor any of his servants that heard all these words. Now turn to Psalm 36 and verse 1, referring to works of iniquity, says, A transgression of the wicked saith within my heart, there is no fear of God before his eyes. Look, wicked people, it's, it's strange, isn't it? When you get in works of iniquity being the wickedest, the children of the devil, reprobates. Look, these people, they don't seem to have a fear of God, do they? And it, sometimes it surprises you because they're people that claim to believe and everything else. And then you see these people and they just have no fear at all, do they? No fear to, for, with all the wicked things a lot of the time that they do. What was this guy's next move going to be? Well, my prediction is that it would have been adding to the word of God next. He'd removed from the word of God, he'd just ripped it up, cut it up. Probably next would have just been making it up as he went along, maybe telling the, telling the people what he wanted them to believe. Because that's the tactic that we see of these types of people. He'd ripped a load out, it was time to add something different, wasn't it? Get the people together and tell them something different. So the title of this guy, Forks, the Attacks on God's Word. Number one, attack on God's Word by attempting to destroy the physical words of God. Number two, by attempting to kill the messages of the words of God. Number three, by attempting to produce counterfeits of the words of God. And this is another age-old tactic of the devil. This is probably the, the most common tactic of the devil because it goes on all over, doesn't it? We see it throughout Scripture from questioning and changing God's word right at the beginning in Genesis chapter 3 with, yea, hath God said? Questioning God's word then say, ye shall not surely die. It, 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 it's gone on throughout Scripture, and the counterfeiting has continued throughout history. In 2 Corinthians 2.17, 
Paul spoke of the many, the many which corrupt the word of God. He said, for we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God in the sight of God speak we in Christ. So Paul said many corrupt the word of God, agreed? Many. Yet yeah, this seems to be such a hard thing for people to get in their head, doesn't it? For the Bible of the Month Club members, for the, well, I'll go with a bit of NIV this week and next week I might go with the message and the next week. They don't seem to even get this in their head, do they? No, the word of God, many, many there be which corrupt it. Okay, it's corrupted all over. It continued with the Alexandrian manuscripts that the modern perversions of the Bible are, are, are based on. And here's an interesting thing when it comes to gunpowder plot. Whilst attempting to destroy the translation work and trying to kill the godly king, did anyone know that the Catholics were also in the process of completing their own English Catholic Bible with the Douay Reims, which was printed and sent to England, check this out, in 1610. So they'd already done the New Testament, they were working on the Old Testament, and it was complete a year before the King James. And they were working on this during this gunpowder plot and everything else. They're working on their own version of the Bible. A version of the Bible full of Catholic false doctrine, full of notes, because you need notes when you read the Bible, don't you? Notes written for you by someone else, by someone who's a Roman Catholic, telling you how you should read that Bible. That's what they've been working on the whole time a year before the King James Bible was complete and then distribution started. And as with, with the other attacks, this has obviously continued to this day with over 400, 400 counterfeit Bibles now in the English language. Isn't it amazing? 400 so-called Bibles that all say something different. Yet God said that, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out, out of the mouth of God. How can we be living by every word if our Bibles all say something different? Absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? And go back to Jeremiah 36, so, because there is a common theme when it comes to attacking God's word, though. There's an interesting, a very nice common theme when it comes to attacking God's word. Verse 26 says, But the king commanded Jeremiah, the son of Hamalek, and Sarai, the son of Azrael, and Shelemiah, the son of Abdil, to take Barak, the scribe, and Jeremiah, the prophet, but the Lord hid them. They didn't get the men of God, did they? They didn't get them. Yeah, they tried to prevent God's word and they didn't succeed. Look at verse 27. And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah after that the king had burned the roll and the words which Barak wrote at the mouth of Jeremiah saying, take thee again another roll and write in it all the former words that were in the first roll which Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, hath burned. It's about to get rewritten. All of it. All of it was going to get re rewritten. Verse 29 says, Thou shalt say to Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Thus saith the Lord, Thou hast burned this roll, saying, Why hast thou written therein? Saying, The king of Babylon shall certainly come and destroy this land, and shall cause to cease from thence man and beast. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, he shall have none to sit upon the throne of David and his dead body shall be cast out in the day to the heat and in the night to the frost and I will punish him and his seed and his servants for their iniquity and I will bring upon them and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem and upon the men of Judah all the evil that I've pronounced against them but they hearkened not. So Jehoiakim is going the rest of them are getting punished and so he said here that his dead body shall be cast out in the day to the heat and in the night to the frost. And again, you, you look at any kind of 
historical videos nowadays on the gunpowder plot and they'll be talking about just how brutal it is what they plan to do to Guy Fawkes who incidentally managed to jump before he was hanged and he, he died instantaneously with a broken neck and they go oh but they were going to do this and do that they were going to do some pretty great grim stuff to him I think many here can probably imagine I don't really have to say it you know thinking about the, the drawing and quartering and things like that but here's the thing they still did that after his death anyway none of that really has anything on what is going on with him in hell right now okay he's burning in hell this is a guy that tried to prevent the 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 translation of god's word into what is the international language this day right and and look whatever they did to it, it wouldn't have been enough but here jehoiakim his gang look, all of these guys are getting it verse 32 says then took jeremiah another roll and gave it to barak the scribe the son of nari who wrote therein from the mouth of jeremiah all the words of the book which Jehoiakim, king of Judah, burned the fire, they were added besides unto their many like words. They couldn't destroy the physical words of God, could they? They couldn't do it. They couldn't kill the messengers of the words of God, could they? They didn't even get to attempt to counterfeit the words of God, I don't think. Because Jesus said in Matthew 24, 35, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. They couldn't do it. They tried, they continue to try, and they'll keep, keep trying, won't they? But they can't destroy it. They can't destroy the word of God. Isaiah 40 verse 8 says, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. There was one version, one version of that word. He cut it up, he burnt it in a fire. I must have thought, well, he succeeded, hasn't he? Uh, God just, God just said those exact words again to Jeremiah. They were written down again. And they can't do it. And when it came to Guy Fawkes' gang, they didn't succeed either, did they? Yeah, they couldn't do it. They wanted to. They tried to. They, they got pretty close, it seemed, right? And suddenly out of nowhere, they were, you, know, you know how they got caught? There was an anonymous letter to, and interestingly, with, it was funny, because when you look at these things, they're trying to, oh, these poor Catholics, they were so persecuted. The anonymous letter was to a, a member of, of, I think he was a Lord, who happened to be a Roman Catholic, right? Who was a Catholic in, law, in the House of Lords, who got given this anonymous letter warning him not to be there, who then reported it. Because, yeah, there were still Catholics in government, yeah? It wasn't like this Catholic witch hunt like they try and claim there was, okay? And... But who was the anonymous letter from? How did that happen? And it was, it was that close. It was a night before, while Guy Fawkes was down there, he had the, he had the match, he had the gunpowder, and he had an escape route, and he was ready to light the fuse. And it got close, yeah? But they didn't succeed. And let's be honest, it wouldn't have mattered had they brought every Catholic from all over Europe, from the rest of the world, to the shores of England to attack. They still wouldn't have stopped it, would they? They couldn't have stopped it. It was impossible because God said his word shall last forever because God, God had decided to use King James to use those men to translate the word of God into English. They couldn't stop it. They loved their false religion and hate the word of God, but they couldn't stop King James. They couldn't stop that plan. Once, uh, once it was in motion, if that's what God wants to do, that's what he's going to do, right? Now, God wanted his Bible to be perfectly translated, yeah, into the up-and-coming language of the world, okay? And that's what he did. Turn to Psalm 12. 
They could have tried anything, it wouldn't have stopped. They couldn't have killed King James and stopped the word of God. Because God had ordained it. Now look at Psalm chapter 12. Psalm chapter 12, which is a, a famous, famous psalm. Psalm 12, we're going to read from verse 1, where it says, To the chief musician upon Shemineth, a psalm of David. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. They speak vanity, every one with his neighbour, with flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and a tongue that speaketh proud things. Who have said, with our tongue will we prevail, our lips our own. Who is Lord over us? For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy. Now will I arise, saith the Lord. I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. So for me, yeah, one of the, one of the few good celebrations left in this country is Guy Fawkes Night. Okay, and, and whether you want to call it Guy Fawkes Bonfire Night, Jesuit Treason Night, I might start coining that one a bit more, Jesuit Treason Night, yeah? It's a, it's a good thing to celebrate, isn't it? I hope everyone here was celebrating. I hope you're enjoying it and not, you know, kind of just worrying about your animals and covering their ears and bemoaning at your neighbours. and There ah, you little fight. Look, it's a good time to celebrate, isn't it? Yeah, it's a good thing to celebrate because ultimately we here in the know, know we celebrate the fact that the attempt to murder King James and, and stop the word of God being translated into English was foiled. Yeah, it was stopped. And these wicked people got caught and got their comeuppance for it. But we also don't want to take it for granted, do we? Yeah? So you can't preach a, preach a sermon like this, and this is more of an in, informative sermon for you. But without saying the obvious point here, we have the pure word of the Lord, don't we? Yeah? The, word, the words of the Lord are pure words. A silver tried in a furnace of earth purified seven times, yeah? Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. He preserved his word, yeah? I hold the preserved word of God in my hands here, yeah? We all have the preserved words of God. And think what people have gone through to get us this Bible. Think what men have gone through. Think what even a king has gone through. I, I, I heard something that after King James, after Guy Fawkes was discovered, he wanted to meet him. He wanted to stare him in the eyes and he wanted to find out how this guy was even thinking. What was going through his head to kill that many people, to murder? Like, that was mass murder he was attempting. I mean, including children and all sorts there, okay? They said, oh, well, it's just, it's okay because it was kings and, and members of government. We don't like those anyway, do we? No, these are just, these are just human beings, people, people children even, he was going to just murder the whole lot of them. Apparently the, the gunpowder, there was enough there. Someone did an experiment on this apparently and kind of saw how far the damage would have gone. It would have destroyed the whole of basically what, what was known and, and sometimes is now Westminster Palace and the surrounding houses, flats and everything else in the area. It would have destroyed everyone. Killed so many people, murdered so many people. And he sat down and he looked at him in the eyes and wanted to know why and he said, basically he said something along the lines of that the only thing he, he, he's upset about was being caught. Cool. And 
he would have done it. He would still do it if he could. And these are wicked people, okay? These are wicked people, and, and that's a wicked thing to do, isn't it? Whatever your so-called political leanings are or your religious leanings are. But people have gone to great lengths to preserve this word of God, haven't they? Yeah? The, 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 the king of England nearly got assassinated for us to have this word of God. The, the people throughout history, think about people like William Tyndale, burned at the stake just praying for, for you know, the, the Lord to open, you know, the, 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 king of, the king of England's heart or eyes, I can't remember the quote here. But look, so much has gone on to, have, to give us this word of God. God's gone to great lengths to preserve it for us. How often have you read it this week? How often have you read it this week? How often have you opened this preserved, inspired word of God? The lengths that people have gone through, the, the, the blood that's been shed for it. And how often have you, even, have you even opened it? How often have you read it? How often have you, have you quoted it? How often have you memorised it? How often have you sat there and just looked at it in awe and gone, I have the word of God here, the preserved perfect word of God in my hand. How often have you made use of that? I hope, I hope everyone here is sitting here thinking, you can look at me, brother Ian. I'm not going to look sheepish because I know I'm scanning the room now. <laughs> Don't forget the ladies at the back there. And you kids, yeah. But seriously, how often have you, how often have you read it? Because we, sh we should be reading this every day, shouldn't we? We should be appreciating what we have here, appreciating that we have something that we can trust, that we know is a word of God that, that was preserved, that, that the lengths that, that were gone to for us to have this in our hand. I hope everyone appreciates that. I hope everyone will make use of that. I hope everyone will keep just reading the word of God daily, 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 daily reading, daily memorising, daily using as well. Write it on your hearts, guys. And um, On that, we're going to go to the Lord and the word of prayer. Father, I thank you. Um, I thank you for the, the Word of God. I thank you for the King James Bible, Lord, that, that we we have this Bible. That we're not as 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 many which want to, you know, change the Word of God. That want to want to just just try and pollute it, to try and pervert it. Lord, we we thank you that we know that we have the the, the preserved words of God in English here that we can read it and not question it, not doubt if that's what you really said. We thank you that you've given us the privilege of having that, that many in so many other languages don't have that perfect translation that we have here in the King James Bible. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you that, that we have it. Please help everyone here to, to want to make use of that, to read it, to want to, to want to grow in it, to want to, want to memorise it, Lord, to want to use it in their life, to want to write it on their hearts. I, I pray for for the soul winning this afternoon that will go out with that mighty sword with that King James Bible and go and preach the gospel and get people saved and encourage them to want to live for you and want to live by your mighty word as well. And in Jesus' name we pray all of this. Amen.